Creed's 11th and possibly final journal entry. I have to write fast. If you've read this far, we did make it to Skazakus. Giants strolling into Skazakus, just walking right in like you in the place. What, you trying to bring the war back? I thought you were supposed to stay up north. Uh, what? There's, uh... Well, the tieflings are also supposed to stay south, but that did not happen. The town was bustling with tieflings and dwarves, but the tieflings sure as hell didn't seem to be enslaved. Uh, we're actually looking for some tieflings. That would be a lot of trouble about this. She gestures to the entire city. For all the gnomish servants who allegedly made their way here, we also didn't see many of them around. You continue down this spiral staircase, and when you come around the corner and you see the stone steps stop, and you come around and you see it's one of the pits that you saw before with the whale bones. It's the same setup, and there's these two tieflings that are standing there with a couple gnomes, and on the opposite side of it, and all around kind of the perimeter of this circular room are just bodies of tieflings, of dwarves, of animals, and they're just stacked there. The bad news is, we learned that the city seemed to be preparing for war. Did you see anything interesting? No, just a lot of weapons and some uh, cool bow and arrow things on these big rolly carts. Never seen anything like it, tell the truth. They're preparing for war, Cena. Did you get the chance to talk to anyone? Yeah, we asked about your medals, uh... And the other one will say, mm, Yeah, um... They get regular shipments of, uh... What do they call it? Adam... Adamantine? That's what it was. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. And then... Things took a turn for the worse when a procession of tieflings, cyclops, and dwarves began making their way out of the castle and heading directly for us. You see in the background from the entrance of the castle to the south, around the road from the perimeter of trees, there's a procession of some tieflings, some dwarves, and four cyclops, and they're all walking towards you. If there are no more entries following this one, you can assume I'm dead. Dodge, but I hope there will be another entry after this. Time to Die Podcast Network presents The Giant's March. The road is long, but the world is small. You guys are standing in front of the building built by the giants of old to the northwest of this map. Down south from you is this castle. Mads and Cena were waiting for uh, Firdos, who came back in the form of a spider and told them what he'd found inside the castle. And it was at this point that you guys noticed a procession coming towards you down the path. And uh, 
you see a mixture of there there's uh some smaller tieflings and then there's uh two cyclops in the front on either side of this procession and then there's two cyclops in the back on either side of the procession they're about halfway from the castle to you guys when Firdos, you hear another voice in your head just like before and it says Firdos, we need to speak it's urgent meet me north of the wall who is we your reply you get the sense that it goes out and as this procession walks towards you you don't seem to hear anything else cousins i was spoke to again again they said they wanted to meet behind the north wall is they? I asked and they did not return my question. You do realize that asking us to meet them outside of their walls gives them an advantage against us. I do believe they already have an advantage against us. If they wanted us to be harmed, they could just tell us to stay in place and be apprehended by this group heading towards us. The group has closed another about half the distance and feared us. You get a reply. A friend of y'all, come alone. He said he was a friend of (laughs) (laughs) y'all. He said he was a friend of y'all, the god of mountains. I think we should go right now. We don't have a lot of options. Are the pocket gnomes still with us, or did they go off somewhere? They were with you. It depends on you if you want to, like pocket them. Yeah, I'll pocket the gnomes. I'll uh, crawl onto pocket J gnomes um, shoulder as a spider. (laughs) Oh, how the turntables! The whole party starts heading north? I believe so. I guess. Yeah. You're going to hear one of the uh, tieflings in the procession say, Leaving so soon! Yes, we found your city to be very inhospitable and dirty. I would not advise it. I do not care what you advise. Why would you not advise leaving? It seems given how keen you are to talk to us, or not, as the case may be, you would enjoy us leaving. Lord Amnon has requested to see you, and he does not take rejection lightly. I will meet with your king. What is this Loritran. They approach you, and what you see are three older-looking tieflings with some distinguishing features. One of them has large chops, like the old sideburns. Another one is, uh, he has kind of a Fu Manchu. And then one of them is uh, piggy-faced. He's kind of thick and round and You notice that their faces and their skin are heavily dusted with some sort of white powder, and uh, they each have spools of copper wire attached to their belts with a small lever on the side, and you notice they all have those gnomish cameras kind of slung around their necks down at their hips, except these cameras are smaller and more compact. Um, I am going to use an action to detect if they're... Is the celestial fiend undead or any consecrated or desecrated places or objects within um, 60 feet from me? Mads, uh, your spell detection does not ping anything. I'm going to whisper to the both the 
pocket gnomes that are in um, that are in Cena's pockets. Um, when we get a chance, we should go on our own. We can always come back and save them if we have to. You kind of get the sense that you could get away discreetly, but it would the gnomes would have to get down like they're up in her pocket. So I'm gonna crawl up to Cena and uh, Cena's ear and be like, um, if you can discreetly get me and the two gnomes to the ground, we can try to make this rendezvous and then double back and, you know, figure out where you guys are later. Just, um, cough if you understand this message. (coughs) And then I'll crawl back down to the gnomes. Sorry, a little tickle in my throat. I'm assuming that Cena has, like, a handkerchief of some kind. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's gonna, like, take it out of her pocket and try to, like, pick up the gnomes at the same time. And no, that's not a good idea, because then they take falling damage. <laughs> Hang on. We could hold on to the corners and use it like a little parachute. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be visible to the tieflings that are not much uh, bigger than gnomes, though. As Cena is standing there deliberating on what to do, the tiefling with the big chops says, <clears throat> The Lord awaits in the castle. All right, lead on. We will not be leaving our weapons anywhere, though. The two cyclopses that were in the front kind of get around behind you, and they become, you guys all become the back of this procession as it rotates and starts walking the opposite direction. And uh, he's leading you towards the castle. Cena, what did you decide? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just take my handkerchief out of my pocket and kind of, like, scoop up the gnomes with them. Yeah. And cough into it. And as I cough, cast... <laughs> One uh, of them flies out. <laughs> Featherfall. Oh, can you cast it on both of them? Yes. Okay. Up to five. And then I do like that fake out thing where I pretend to drop the handkerchief and they go down with it. It's like, oh no, I'm so clumsy. <laughs> Please don't make me roll a performance check. <laughs> well, the only ones who are paying any attention to you right now are the Cyclopses, and they're not going to bat an eye because they're idiots. Nice. All right. Cool. They also don't have great depth cool, cool, perception. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you do see as soon as those gnomes hit the ground they quickly scurry out of the path so they don't get stomped on. I really hope that they remember they still have those sending stones. <laughs> I assume that Ferdos goes with them. Yeah, yeah, I was on uh, Pocket J Gnome's shoulder. Okay. Alright. This procession is heading down to the castle. Uh, Ferdos, how do you want to proceed? We need to get to the other side of the north wall. Someone is waiting for me there. You guys begin walking to the north of the wall as the procession and Cena and Mads head south towards the castle. I think the castle party is going to get there first, and uh, there's a few things you see along the way. Can you guys roll perception checks? Ooh, good start to the evening. Bad start to the evening. <laughs> What's a 10? I got an 18. Set before the entrance of this castle is a massive open square, and around its outskirts the roads are bustling with vendors, carts, open-air shops, seating foods, and the like. But within this square, 
The grounds appear to be protected and well-kept, like citizens can walk around, but it appears no vendors or carts are allowed. The greenery is neatly trimmed, the bushes, the trees, the grass. And in the center, directly across from the massive castle doors, you see two memorial headstones side by side. They're sort of angled slightly towards each other, and between them, you see a flat stone slab in the grass which is cracked all the way down the middle, but its entire face is covered by a metal plate which has writing like a plaque. And also, Mads, with your roll, uh, at just the right moment as you're walking up, you spot a dwarf heading in through the castle entrance, and as he passes by one of the tieflings at the front, he gives kind of a deep nod, almost a bow, and the tiefling standing about a foot taller than him just stares down and watches him pass. Mads will turn to uh, Cena and kind of lowly say, uh, I thought that we were told that the dwarves were in charge, not the tieflings. Perhaps that is either an unusually high-ranking tiefling or a religious authority or something outside of the normal hierarchy. You guys are almost to the entrance. You're just passing by these headstones and with your higher roll mads you also can glance at the writing on the headstones they both say the same thing both memorial stones have lord amnon the first 1331 to 1366 cogbell which you know cogbell is a calendar and the st- the slab in the middle that has the plaque plastered over it it just says god slay the bastard I will uh, point that out to Cena and try and just uh, be discreet about it. The corridors and the thresholds of this castle are enormous. Each of the massive doors you pass through either remain open or have a cyclops standing post to handle them. The stillness of these hallways is like a library, and eventually you reach the throne room, and it is gorgeous. It's octagonal in shape. You enter from the south, and on the three walls to the left and the three walls to the right, you see beautiful tapestries suspended up from, the, from up on the ceiling, nearly down to the floor, and they each depict foreign icons and symbolism. The floor has decorative stone around the outside with a large octagon shape in the center made of dark wood. Above it, hangs an equally dimensioned iron chandelier with crisscross metal bars and candle rods that seem to glow in some magical way, bathing this room in a soft light. And then, directly across from you as you walk in, at the north side of the room, you see something perplexing. Raised upon a stage, there are two thrones. When you're facing the stage, one throne sits on your left, it is high-backed with some velvet pole ropes suspended over one of its armrests, similar to servant-ringing pole cords. And besides its opposite armrest, sticking up from the floor, there's a metal lever. The top of the lever has a black handle resting upon a gold ring. It's like a sword's hilt ready to be grabbed. But more perplexing than that, when you're facing the stage, the throne on your right side is completely encased by what looks like glass panes on all sides, even over its top. In this throne sits the corpse of a tiefling woman wearing full royal garbs, 
Her skin is dry and mummified. Her body's propped against the high back chair, but her head slumps down towards her chest. One last thing to mention is that both of these thrones are butted against the back wall in this octagonal room, and on the woman's side there's a large door leading through the back wall, and on the empty throne side there's a, th a row of five other decorative seats, presumably for the five powder-faced advisors. Mads will uh, elbow Cena and he'll say, One throne tells only truth, while the other only lies. <laughs> Should you wish to pass and find my treasure from inside? And he'll kind of laugh to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Cena, Cena does that thing where she like kind of just laughs a little bit and then just like snaps to attention, just catching herself halfway. <laughs> Does the body of the tiefling woman have, like, strings attached to it? Like, is it, like, <laughs> looking like a marionette type thing? It's just sitting there, slumped in this throne. Pay no attention to the tiefling in the glass cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An announcement is made of your presence, and... Just after a, a, a few seconds from behind the, the door next to her throne in the back room, uh, out comes a tall tiefling that stands taller than the others, the other ones that are royally dressed. He appears to be in his mid-thirties, well-built with lavender skin and pure black eyes. You also see behind him two more of those powder-faced guys. I would like to cast and see if there are any celestials, undead fiends, uh, corrupted or consecrated <laughs> objects or places in 60 feet, please. Mm, paladin shit. I would make sure that I am close enough to this uh, this dead tiefling in the, in the chair before I cast it so that it would definitely hit that tiefling. Like, that is a very important thing to Mads. <laughs> it's just that we're dealing with giant-sized proportions in this castle, so give me a, give me a higher low. Um, let's go high. Because I always am. Whoa. As you're near this lady's throne room, you start to detect uh, the same sort of essence that you got from those horrible pits, except it's, uh, it's coming not from her. It's coming like, it's coming from the room they just walked out of behind the wall. The tallest one who is obviously based on his decor. He is the king, and he says, uh, Giants, I cannot say I am pleased to see you. We were also not pleased to see your people in our land. Yes. Circumstances dictate. A degree of cordiality must be shown, and you are our guests here. He lifts his hand in the air and kind of motions to some of the servants and kind of waves and he says, Bring in the tables and the food. I will join them. And he walks to the center of this room as the Cyclopses roll out this huge circular table. And behind them, several dwarves come out with plates and platters of food that uh, is pretty ornate and decorative, very royal looking and they set up this table and they start plating everything and they, the Cyclopses um, place some not chairs, they're just benches but some of them are your size some of them uh, have steps so that the tieflings can sit at this massive table 
and reach it. And uh, the advisors all sit in their five empty seats. They all go over there while the king joins you at the table. Mads will have a seat. Uh, Sino will wait for the king to sit first. He sits down and uh, he seems a little bit casual compared to the five advisors. They're all standing very upright and they seem formal in their demeanor, but he just casually takes a seat. And this food is some of it is probably about half familiar to you, half unfamiliar, um, but it all looks palatable. None of it's too scary. Oh, Mads is hungry. He doesn't care. He'll start eating anytime that, that something is served to him. <laughs> It's a mixture of some of the flavors seem foreign and and, and perhaps uh, dramatically like, you know, how chefs are. They like to experiment and stuff. So it's kind of like a, a higher class of food than you're used to, especially for what you get in the mountains. But none of it, I don't think, is uh, difficult to eat or, or gross. And Sina, what do you do? Sina will begin to eat as well. She's so obviously on edge that it's painful because she is really aware that this ring is knocking the charm down. So she's like, it's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. They like fumble with something. It's just like... (laughs) Did you sit down next to Mads? Yes. She's like kid in a store on Mads. She's like right up next to him. Well, you get to add a plus three to any saving throw we might have to do, and also plus three to any initiative rolls if we do happen to have to do that. Just an FYI. Cool, thanks. All right. It'd be around this time that, Ferdos, you should roll a survival check. All right. 17 on the die, and let me just check my bonuses. Plus six, so 17 plus six is 23. You start walking parallel to this wall north of town, and you're on the outside of it towards the swamp side. And uh, you get about halfway along what you can see of this wall. I'm looking for, like, signs of, like, mountain symbolism. Okay. Like, maybe written on the wall or whatever. There's nothing along the wall. But when you get to about where this appears to be the middle of it, you notice uh, some smoke coming out of the trees to your north. It's it's uh, it's like campfire smoke coming up out of the trees. Uh, my gnome companions, I believe that is where I have to go. I do not know if this is safe or dangerous. It, it's up to you if you want to accompany me or not. Well, you can always call us if you need us. I'm just gonna wait here and see what happens. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna stay with him, I think. Do I need one of those little stones? Well, mm, probably best to take mine. I don't much know how to use it anyway. Mm. Um, okay, just a second, and I climb off of them and then, like, kind of shake around and it turns me back into my big giant form. And then I, like, just kind of put my hand out towards him. Yeah, he uh, places it in your massive palm. Thank you. It's like a pebble to you. Um, if we should not meet again, um, thank you for accompanying us and, uh, being a good friend. Oh, don't talk like that. I'm sure you'll be just fine. All right, well, uh, here's to seeing you soon. 
Um, and I kind of like pantomime like a cheers motion, but uh, <laughs> for us, it's just really awkward. So <laughs> but uh, yeah, after a few moments of none of us knowing what to do after that, I start to like make my way towards the, the fire in the woods. You follow where you saw the smoke and uh, the woods kind of open up into a small clearing and um, in the middle you see a man building a fire and it's already built. He's just kind of poking at it. He's sitting there on a rock and he is very tall for just a guy. So it's a human? He's human looking except he's sitting on this rock and if he were to stand to his full height you'd guess he's probably like 10 feet or so. Oh, okay. He's very thin and uh, has pronounced cheekbones, and he's got a long beard clear down to his belt line, and it's all his hair is all gray. And he looks up and notices you, and he says, Come, join me by the fire. I, I just kind of nod. Um, I'm, like, visibly nervous about the situation. I'm, like, looking all around, like, into the woods both both ways, and trying to make sure that I'm not uh, stepping into a trap. You don't see anything. And then, uh, yeah, I'll go and, and sit down. Do you drink tea? Uh, yes, I do. He picks up a large kettle from beside him, and it's got one of those wire uh, handles, and he holds it over the fire, and then smoothly but suddenly these two spikes of rock come up and touch their tips <laughs> in the center and the kettle wire rests on the two of them over the fire and he says I imagine you have a lot of questions uh, I I did and then upon seeing that I have another as well you may ask freely okay um have you been the one making the stone pillars? Ones that have risen me up on a few occasions, but then also ones that have seemingly uh, killed some folk. I have made pillars, yes. But I cannot say for certain I have made all the pillars you have seen. Okay, um... This may be a strange question, um... I have no better way to describe this place, but were you on the elevator mountain several weeks ago? He kind of squints his eyes at you, and he says, Elevator mountain. Well, you see, it, it all began, and I recite the story of, like, all that stuff, like, leading up to where, like, it disappeared and then grew back and, and all that kind of thing. And, and so that's why we call it the elevator mountain. By the time you're finished summarizing this story, the kettle has started to uh, hiss, and he takes it off, and the two spikes of rock that came out just recede back into the ground, and then he pours some into um, a cup for you and a cup for him, and he uh, stares at the steam and then says, I am familiar with some of which you speak. Um... Uh, like as I'm like conversing with him I'd like to smell the tea before I drink any of it can I tell what's in it Earl Grey hot oh, okay 
<laughs> I see you're a man of culture as well. <laughs> I have been around a great while, Firdos. I've seen your ancestors in the Great War. I watched as you all moved north, but north is a great distance from here. I cannot always see as far as you have gone. The history of the giants, for me, has faded to gray. But I have seen everything that took place down here, and I must say, it was nice to see you walking into my vision. You're a man of knowledge and intellect, as I am. You're well read. This is why I asked you to come alone. I worry about your cousin Maz. He's very devoted and I do not think he would take kindly to me or my ways. Um, speaking honestly, I would tend to agree with you. Um, he's very singular sighted on what he views ex as acceptable. If you were not his cousin, or if you were to defame his beliefs, do you think he would have any qualms about striking you down? Sometimes I wonder even if being his cousin would not lead to the same result should I take an action such as that. He has a good heart. He just has a closed mind. I know. But it has served him well. And it's even saved my life several times. I'm worried, Firdos. The reason I called you here to speak is because I see another war brewing. And it doesn't bode well for you up in the north. To speak honestly on the matter, even these times of peace have not bode well for, for me at least. But, um, these are kind of a secondary matter. This war, do you see it as any way avoidable? No. A secondary question. What part does the, the desecration play in this? The, the strange altars? The, the, I, I don't even know how to describe the, uh, the only word that can quite come to mind is the, uh, it's like a disorder that comes from these. It's like a disease. It's very unnatural. The tieflings have always been reckless with their pursuits for allies, with their pursuits of spiritual things, power, anything that can give them an upper hand. I'm afraid this is no different. The destruction that you wrought upon their entire kingdom, the selling to the dwarves, they grew desperate and they turned to forces that are not natural. Tell me, if this war truly is inevitable, how are you all faring up north? Have you re-established your cities, your government, your armies? Are you prepared for this fight? 
Perhaps I'm not the one to ask. Um, and I would say that my cousin Mads fits in that category as well. We both are not very integrated into the greater society up there. Cena, however, might be able to tell you what you wish to know. Very well. I'm afraid right now they are... They were being walked into being held hostage in the castle. If you could find out from your cousin Cena and report back to me, I could possibly help you before the war overtakes you and your people. Uh, pardon me for being so rude all this time. I, I never caught your name. Perhaps someday I will share my name with you. For now, just consider me a messenger of y'all. Okay. Like, uh, I kind of uh, start kind of looking to the ground, and uh, after he decides not to tell me his name, I, I have trouble, like, making eye contact with him after that. He downs the last of his tea, and as this has been going on, I think that uh, the dinner's probably... Well, well, we'll flash back a little bit to where everybody starts eating, and Lord Amnon looks up at you two, and he says, You asked about the tieflings. I did, yes. What is it you want to know? I would like to know why they were up in our territory. We have an agreement that you are st to stay down here, and we will stay up there. But we have been tracking a group who had awe from our place of residence. Why are they there? Why were they there? Did they have your blessing to break the treaty? We do not know the whereabouts of these tieflings you speak. We have had shipments coming from the north of resources from the gnomes. I have been inside of your forge. I saw the metals you were using. These are not native to gnomish lands. They are native to giant lands. Where the gnomes acquire the metals, we do not care. Tell me about the corpse up there on the throne. He turns and looks at her, and then he turns back and looks down at his drink, and he swirls it a little bit, and he says, This is the High Queen, my mother. Would you say that she is your mummy, then? Oh my god! <laughs> Mads will laugh. <laughs> He's just staring at you with his pure black eyes, and then he takes a drink and he says, uh, Times, they change. He gestures over to his five advisors sitting in their seats with their powdered faces, and he says, Look at them. They are old. They would have me kill you. Right here. Right now. For merely entering my throne room. They could try. And it would be a glorious battle. But it seems that you want something different. I did not see the war. I was not part of it. I am new ruler 
in New Kingdom. I do not think things should be the way that they were before. Why is it that you are consorting with things not of this world? What is it that you speak? There is much desecration in this palace. And I don't mean all of you choosing to reside here. There is something not of this world. Something providing a source of power here. You disapprove of the gods we worship here. You come into our lands. You curse our gods. They are not gods. There is but one god. And it is here, on this plane. It can be seen and touched. You see the war. I have seen fighting. I have seen very violent and vehement and zealous fighting. And this is what I understand war to be like. You do not know what the giants do to us. The Tieflings, our entire nation brought down. You are the heartless ones. You are the desecration, not our nation. You are the ones that impurified this land. Where is your proof of such claims? It is documented in our history books. These advisors were there. They saw everything. And it's at this point that the bard speaks up and he says, I wasn't there in the war either, but I heard a lot about it. It was my grandfather, you see. He was a hero in the war. Our whole family heard stories about the atrocities that you tieflings would... I, I don't even feel comfortable speaking of them. Fat Bard, you are not helping the situation. But it would appear that we are both dealing with the situation where our forefathers have chosen to write history in a way that makes them seem as though they were correct. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Lord Amon, do you believe that there is no capacity among your people to commit atrocity? The things the tieflings did in the war, they were done to monsters, heartless, soulless. Lord Amon, now if you would please allow me to rebut. I am willing to admit that we are not a monolith. There are those among us who would commit atrocities, who would do things that are evil. This does not make all of us guilty for the sins of our fathers, just as you are not guilty of the sins of yours. Who was your grandfather, this hero of the war? And the bard kind of looks over at you, Mads. You may answer, fat bard. (laughs) 
<laughs> the fat bard. <laughs> sitting there with um, his drink sitting on the table with his fingers clutched around it and he's just waiting for an answer from Creed and Creed finally speaks up and says my grandfather was named Fabian Shadowski he just kind of looks down at his drink and swirls it a couple of times and he says Fabian Shadowski yes I know this name. He looks over at his advisors and they nod. And in an instant, the Lord of the Tieflings explodes into a puff of smoke. And he appears in his throne and pulls one of the pole cords. And the dark wooden octagonal floor below you plummets. reaction feather fall on all of us okay yeah I think you're probably all sitting on the same side of the table I think you can cover everybody okay so Cena just like reaches into one of her bags and pulls out like a tiny handful of feathers and just throws it into the middle of us and uh, casts it um I will cast moonbeam at uh the tiefling <laughs> on the way down <laughs> oh my God. yeah I will so it's a con save Yes, it is. 21. That will save. So he will take, um, so it's 14, so 7 points of the radiant damage. Cena casts uh, an instant reaction of Featherfall upon the party, and Mads immediately wreaks havoc with his moonbeam that you see, you just kind of see it activating as you lose vision below this pit. And, uh, there's a terrific crash as the table, the floor, the food, the plates, everything smashes below you as you float to the floor of this long cylindrical tunnel. It's just a big hole in the floor. And then there's a tremendous clang and you hear a horrifying scream. And then as you hit the floor with your soft feather landing, there's something that hits the floor below you at the side of this thing and you guys are kind of speckled in a mist of blood and when you look up you see the silhouette of this giant iron chandelier has come down and covered the entirety of this hole like a like a manhole cover there's just sort of a waterfall of blood leaking down from (laughs) where one of the servants was cleaved in half Um, Mads is immediately going to pull his climbing kit out of his uh, backpack, and he's going to start trying to fucking climb up this motherfucker. You would estimate uh, it's probably about 100 feet in depth, and uh, yeah, you guys are standing amongst the debris of this just shattered, splintered wood mess, tin plates and everything. You can try to give me an athletics check. Do I think that if I cast message which is 120 feet as a cantrip can i reach the tiefling lord 120 feet probably not i got a 26 by the way brian okay 
Mads, with the use of your pitons and your climbing gear, you're able to scale up this wall just like you would in the uh, on an ice mountain and stuff. It's difficult to get it into stone, but you are very strong. Yeah, I, I want to make my way up to the top and start murdering things if I can. You can reach this grate, but it's this big iron chandelier that covered the hole like a like a manhole cover, and so you you're gonna reach it, and it's it's like a prison door, so you'll have to probably do something. I don't know what. Okay, so I am going to take um, I'm gonna take my battle axe and not my glaive because I like it more, and I'm gonna use the iron handle of the battle axe to try and like lever with myself, you know what I mean? Like, try and lever this motherfucker open if I can possibly uh, fit the um, not axy end into, you know, a space on this uh, cover. You're using it like a pry bar? Yes, sir. Okay. This is definitely strength. Okay. Athletics. Coolio. Um, that is a 14 plus 10 is 24. You manage to wedge your axe in here, and uh, you're able to heave it just a fraction of an inch, and then the stone breaks out from your piton, and you fall, and you're just hanging on to your axe at this point instead of the piton. I would like to try and grab onto this this chandelier and start trying to use my weight to, like, like try and swing my body and then like try and keep pulling down on it you're like monkey bars in it basically yeah okay give me another athletics all right also roll a perception (laughs) while you're at it um so 11 plus 10 is uh 21 for the athletics (laughs) and then uh 12 for uh my my perception um, you're able to start swinging, but the progress is slow. Uh, even with the bulk of your weight trying to shove this chandelier, you can only inch it like an inchworm. With your perception, you you hear the Lord say, Bring out the steaks. Perfect! I'm quite hungry, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the door opens, and from, from your vantage point, you can see uh, these large cyclops is walking over and they've got these large metal spikes like uh, railroad spikes almost and big mallets and you hear clang clang coming up from above you um my plan then is i'm going to try and get towards the edges and i am going to use my glaive in one hand to start stabbing at fucking cyclopses (laughs) (laughs) fuck y'all i I don't see how you could possibly hit any of them, but you do annoy them, if that's any yeah. consolation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't care if I'm hitting anybody. Like, Mads is just making this as complicated and as hard as humanly possible for them, or deeply, <laughs> or Cyclopsly? Yeah, they're Cyclopses. As this is all going on, uh, I think, Firdas, you have finished the entire kettle of tea. And this this character sitting before you says, I am grateful for the visit, but I must be on my way. Do you have any final questions for me? Uh, yes. Um, what is your... What is your preference with how things go in this inevitable war? As I said before, I value intellect 
knowledge. I don't see that coming about from war. I agree with you. Would that I could bring peace to the land, I would prefer it. That is how nations further their progress. And that benefits me as well. Um, should I need to contact you again, how shall I do it? It is best if I contact you. I will be in touch. Don't forget, you can always offer prayers to Fjall. He's always listening. Yes. Yes, he is. I will check in with you once you have spoken to your cousin Cena about the state of things up north. But I don't advise you to be hasty returning to the castle. Why is that? Things are not going well. If things are not going well, then honestly, I must be hasty. Um, I must take my leave right now. Thank you for your hospitality. Uh, until we meet again. And with that, you see his figure kind of fade into nothingness before you. And the tea kettle as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was going to place the, the teacup I was drinking up like back on the on the ground next to me, but it disappears out of my hand as I do it. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of, you know, shrug and I quickly get up and I kind of point myself towards town. And I am going to uh, cast Polymorph on myself and morph into a giant elk. It's classified as a... There we go. Huge beast. So it's it's pretty big. Are you kind of getting close towards the size of one of the uh, Cyclops? Yeah, it would probably be um, maybe even a little bit bigger. Like when you, you know, consider the length of them. Gotcha. Because they stand up tall, but they're still like, you know, the size of an elk, the shape of an elk too. So they're kind of long too. I'm going to um, get to, to full, uh, full stride. I don't know if... Elk exactly gallop or whatever, but that sort of majestic prancy thing that they do when they're going very fast, and I'm going to try to get there as fast as I can. Do you take the same path that you were first entered the city from the northwest, just going in that main road? Yeah, I'm going to choose like whatever I would consider to be the quickest. And uh, how tall did you say that the walls were? Did I say? I think the walls are probably going to be. Uh... Being that the Cyclops are constructing them, I think they're a little taller than the Cyclops. Okay, so about like 20, 25 feet? In height, but they are also very thick. They're probably uh, 10 feet thick. I still think that's doable for a giant elk. I'm just going to run up and jump over the, the wall. <laughs> so you're disregarding your gnome boys? Well, yeah, I told them to, you know, sort of be safe and kind of go along the way. Give me athletics. 15 plus 4, 19. You don't even go the, the northwest road where you came in. You just leap the wall right in the center and start, what, beelining for the palace? Yep. Okay. And I just look like an elk, so it's not like I would... It, it would definitely arise, arouse people's like attention, but probably not their suspicion. <laughs> like, oh no, there's an elk got into town, everybody. Like, look out. <laughs> And I'm taking the most direct path, so if that involves, like, having to smash through a fruit stand or, like, you know, <laughs> knock over... 
knock over old people as they're trying to cross the street, all that. I think everybody's uh, gonna hate this, but I totally look like the um, thing with the the space horses from The Last Jedi when they're riding through the town. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> We're gonna flash to Mads real quick. You would like to eat the rat you said in the chat? Yeah, I would definitely love to eat it. When you eat this rat, are you still uh, monkey barring? Or Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. So you're able to pull this out with one hand and just kind of probably... Eat, do you eat it with the wrapping still on it? <laughs> oh, fuck Step yeah. Into a Slim Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I've mentioned, it's only about the size of a field mouse compared to a normal human is the size of this rat compared to you. Maybe even a little smaller, so you have no problem just gulping it down. And uh, as you're hanging there and you feel this thing go down your esophagus and you the amount of time you assume it reaches your stomach, there's suddenly a huge pulse of energy and you even feel it, Cena. It's like a, a, a breeze hitting you in the face all of a sudden, but it's, it's strong enough that you almost stagger a little bit. And then, stillness. How long are you going to be hanging on these monkey bars? Are you just watching them pound these steaks? Are you still trying to fuck with them? Oh, I'm still definitely trying to fuck with them. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, if I was able to get my battle axe back out, I'm going to swing the battle axe at the stone where they're trying to pound in these stakes just to make it as hard as possible. <laughs> okay. Fear Das. You're coming up on the castle. How do you what, how do you want to proceed? I have a feeling that they would probably be down near that pit that I saw. Okay. And so I'm going to go back in the way that I went in there before, and I am just going to crash through whatever door I have to 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 get down there. And elks have a uh, a ram attack that um, like if you move at least 20 feet forward towards the target, and then you take this ram attack it gets extra damage on it so I'm definitely going to be using that on the, the doorways that I'll have to I don't think you need to for the doorways but you'll definitely um, I'm just going to give you damage for the um, tieflings that are in the hallway <laughs> I'll let you auto hit them though because they are not expecting this alright so uh, 19 damage to the first one and uh, 14 bludgeoning for the second one. And 14, okay. You completely knock these two tieflings to the ground and they go sliding across the floor and then you beeline across this long hallway to this interior door, bust through it and you see this spiral staircase down be below you. Is, is it a spiral staircase where it's open in the middle or does it have a solid column in the middle? It's got a solid column. It's all made of brick. Large brick. I will just go around. In fact, if I'm going fast enough, I'm going to wall ride the way down because it's going to be quicker than actually going down the steps. Especially with your enhanced senses as you go down these steps and, and kind of 
<laughs> maneuver around the wall. Um, you start immediately getting strong whiffs of the perfume and the decay. You hear the buzzing of the flies. You feel this emanating from down below the hot dryness of your skin. You almost are tempted to start panting, but your mouth is dry. And we're going to cut to Cena really quick in her hole. <laughs> in her pit. It's <laughs> 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 not true. What do you do, Cena? So Cena has this thing that she gets to do called experimental elixir. Every long rest she brews, she brews a potion. It's just like an alchemist thing. It's part of my artificer class. And I just rolled for it, and it's a d6, and it was flight this time, the last long rest that we took. So I'm going to take out one of my little flasks and drink it and fly up and hold on to the grate. I'm still, like, flying, but just kind of, like, just setting myself. And she is going to, one, take Gygax out and just let him sort of run around and mess with the Cyclops just to, like, harass them and distract them. And while he is doing that, am I now close enough to cast Message on the Tiefling Lord? Yes, you are. Okay, so she is going to do that and basically say, explain yourself before we get out. Because we will be getting out, and it won't be good for you when we do. There's a pause, and then you hear, um... Fabian Sadowski, God slay the bastard. And that's his whole message. So, message is a cantrip. So she's going to cast it again and say, All right, fine. How big are the gaps in this grate? Mm, they're not big. It's like a jail cell door. You obviously fit your raccoon through, and he can fit his arms and his weapons through. If you picture the Wild West jail cells, that's kind of what it's like compared to you. So now she is going to use Gygax to cast snare on the tiefling lord. He can deliver touch attacks, or like touch spells, so it's a dex saving throw with disadvantage. Okay. And my spell save DC is 14. With disadvantage he got 16 minus 1 is 15. Fuck! He saves. It's at this point, Cena, that you feel another pulse erupt from Maz's body. And it's much stronger now that you're up close to him. And it slams you against this back wall. Not hard enough to hurt you, but you do have to recover your flight and grab onto this grate above you again. And then again, it's just still. I would like to make my way towards one of the walls and start trying to push with my legs like to try and move the grate but um, in the same spot where I was before when I was levering it so that I can keep trying to move it a little bit further but like I definitely want to be trying to use my legs to push my body out further to you know move it as much as possible this one's going to be strength at disadvantage because they've definitely gotten a couple of these pegs in the ground athletics at disadvantage Uh, Cena will help him if she sees what he's trying to do Uh, how are you helping me then Cena? Uh, she'll see what you're trying to do and like and try to do the same thing on the opposite side. Gotcha. Then I will remove disadvantage. All right, Coolio. Twelve plus ten is twenty-two. 
you feel the grate start to um, slide kind of to the side. They've gotten two pegs on one side of it, and so you can kind of, you're, it's almost like you're rotating this grate on a hinge, and then the you hear one of the um, advisors say, Stakes on the other side. And the, the some of the cyclops um, stop what they're doing, and they start going and um, trying to pound them in the opposite direction. And then one of the cyclops takes his uh, his mallet, and he's going to bring it down or attempt to bring it down upon the raccoon. <gasps> Brian, I'll kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, let me see. What's his attack? <laughs> okay. Does a 29 hit? Oh my god. That's literally almost three times his armor class. <laughs> yes, that hits. Oh my god. 12 damage. Bludgeoning. Oh my god, wait. I need- I should have done this math before. Hang on. Plus. He's crushed. (laughs) The Cyclops brings this massive mallet down upon this poor raccoon. Whose nuts and bolts and plates just scatter across this octagonal room in all directions. Cena screams. As soon as she hears that, she screams. It is not advantageous for you to struggle at this point. There is no way that we are going to stop. Just know that if I get out, I am going to use your paste to butter my bread. Provided you have any strength left after exerting it all on this futile attempt. Oh, there will be plenty. Don't you worry, friend. Perhaps you would like... And Mads will cast another moonbeam on him. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the... uh, This was the Fu Manchu advisor speaking, so you're going to do that to him? No, I'm going to do it to their king again. Okay. 16 plus 30, 20. Oh, yeah, that'll save. He, uh, he, especially since you've already done this to him once, he's able to sidestep this big ray that comes down. He'll still take five damage, though. Yeah, you can see, uh, some of his lavender skin looks a bit singed, and he kind of shakes his hand off, and he says, This has been entertaining. But I have things to attend to. You are what I would call a coward. Face me in one-on-one combat, you giant, giant coward. I warned you what would happen when we get out. It's going to be so much worse now. He begins walking out of the room, and some of the advisors follow, and I'm going to jump to Firdas. What are you doing down in this horrible pit? This thing is emanating with dark energy, and you see the corpses of gnomes and dwarves and tieflings alike all lining these walls stacked up in piles around this little cylindrical uh, flooring of this, the bottom of this staircase. So I look around, it's not where Cena and Mads are? You don't see any sign of them. Hmm. Uh, but I, I do see that thing that I know is bad. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to, like, as soon as I burst, you know, 
into this chamber and stuff and I quickly look around. I'm, I'm gonna do that elk thing where they have that kind of like high-pitched like whistle like sound that they make and then I'm gonna snort really loud and uh, yeah I'm gonna run up to it and uh, rear up and hit it with my hooves and try to break that um, that thing. Talking about those whalebone things? Yeah the, uh, the altar thing. So 15 bludgeoning damage. Um, you uh, slam into one of these bones and you hear a tremendous crack as it stork sort of splinters from its middle and tilts to one side under the weight of you. And then there's a huge pulse that knocks you backwards. And you notice that some of these corpses around the, the room start to wiggle slightly like... Um, like a cup that's being jittered by tremors and then they start to slide across the floor towards this portal what do you do it it opened up a portal now this whole thing has been emanating dark energy as you've been down here yeah i'm then going to uh shake my head and i'm going to uh drop polymorph And uh, then I'm going to um, cast Moonbeam on it and take a cue out of Mad's book there, because that is going to do radiant damage to this thing. Yep, and go for hopefully it. that will do better. Also, roll me a d6. All right. So that's a four. For the d6? Yep. Okay. And this All is right. a con check? Yep, it's a con check. Con My save. DC is... To 14. Okay. It's going to be 28 to save as these bodies get sucked up into a mass inside this emanating energy and they start to tear and you hear their dry carcasses as they reform and the bones connect and then this monstrous humanoid form just about as tall as you are with four arms gets blasted by your moonbeam and uh, it saved so it's going to take half damage what's that? yep, uh, seven damage, seven radiant oh there and as long as it stays in that uh, five foot radius um, cylinder then uh, it's going to continue taking that damage so it's able to, uh, to to start maneuvering out of the way of this terrible beam that comes down, but it does get singed, and the entire portal, you see it goes dark, and you feel the same suction as before when you were in the uh, monastery and you destroyed that portal. It, like, sucks you towards it like a vortex just for a moment, and then this horrible ghoulish looking fiend stares at you and he raises four of his arms we're gonna flash to Mads you're casting an alarm spell what does that do aw god damn it never mind it's only 60 feet I'm not even gonna bother he's not gonna hear that shit I'm gonna try it anyway just in case um it is incredibly it's a loud sound of a bell for 10 seconds and within 60 feet hopefully he can hear that shit I guess You notice that the uh, cyclopses cover their ears. They kind of stop what they're doing. Fyrdas, 
in your pit, you do not hear anything. You just see this awful creature staring at you, and uh, it's like the the horrible smells and the flies and everything are now emanating from him instead of the what is now a destroyed portal. The Giants March is a production by the Time to Die Podcast Network. It's one of our many different stories. If you'd like to find out more, visit timetodierpg.com. If you're enjoying the show, we would be ever so grateful for a review on your favorite podcatcher or a shout out on social media. Post about us on Reddit or Twitter. Share us with a friend. Whatever you can do to let people know that we exist and that you think our shows are worth a listen. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash timetodierpg. Or you can give us a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash timetodierpg. Want to hang out with us? We have a Discord server. The link is in the episode description, or you can find it at our Time to Die website. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at timetodierpg. Find us on Reddit at r slash timetodierpg. Tim, who plays Mads, is on Twitter at idagrabyourgun. Chris, who plays Feardoss, is on Twitter at ChrisRileyLCP. Aubrey, who plays Cena, is on Twitter at AubreyGray1. That's A-U-B-R-E-E-G-R-A-Y and the number one. And I, Brian Bridges, the GM of this campaign, am on Twitter at ManlyBrian. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Giant's March. (laughs) ¶¶